So now where we're at here in Ephesians, remember Paul spent the first three chapters talking about Bible doctrines. He always builds a foundation of Bible doctrines, right beliefs, proper teachings, and then he applies that, shows us how to apply it to our lives. Well, in Ephesians, the first three chapters deal with the Bible doctrines and how we're saved, the spiritual blessings we have in the heavenly realm, that we're saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. We're not saved by works. Um, but now, in chapter 4, he begins to talk about how we should live as uh, believers in Christ. Uh, we're new creations in Christ, therefore, Paul says, we should act like new creations in Christ. He tells us to put off the old man, the old you. The old you is dead. Why do we keep bringing back the old man? The old man is dead. We now need to put on the new man. Okay? And the new man is spirit-led, led by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit. When you first trusted in Jesus for salvation, the Holy Spirit indwelt you and began to work through you. So the new man uh, should be spirit-led and should obey God's laws from the heart. So Paul tells us, you know, you're not saved by the law. The law shows you you're a sinner. The law shows you you need a savior. Okay? And then once you get saved, okay, you're saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus alone. You trust in Jesus. You say, look, I can't earn my own salvation. I deserve the flames of hell. I don't deserve heaven, so I'm going to trust in Jesus to save me. Well, once you trust in Jesus to save you, then you get indwelt by the Holy Spirit, who then empowers you to obey God's laws from the heart. <clears throat> so we could see here, you could find, you could pretty much find all Ten Commandments that summarize all the Old Testament laws. <clears throat> you can find Paul talking about each one of those in chapters 4, 5, and 6. He's even going to talk about <clears throat> honoring our parents, okay? Now, Jesus is our Sabbath rest, so there's no need to mention that other than trusting in Jesus for salvation, but we're to worship God alone, have no false idols, um, we're not to have any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths so we don't take God's name in vain, um, we're to uh, honor our parents, we're uh, uh, to not bear false witness, that was verse 25. Uh, be angry and don't sin. You know, Jesus equated murder. You know, he said, basically, even if, you, if you're angry unjustly at a brother or a sister, you've already broken that command in your heart. And that's not as bad as physically committing murder, but it's still a violation of the command. Thou shalt not murder. Verse 28 uh, tells us, thou shalt not steal. Okay? And then 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So, uh, we should speak no unwholesome word. You know, we've got to ask ourselves, when we encounter others, do we move them closer to Jesus? Or do we cause a stumbling block and move them further away? Okay, it might just be saying hello to somebody, saying God bless you. It might be helping somebody fix a flat tire or whatever. It could be anything, but, but you've got to say, hey, look, I represent the Lord Jesus. Let me plant seed for the kingdom of God. But don't speak any unwholesome word. Only speak that which encourages others and builds them up. That... Uh, helps them to be all that God, motivates them to be all that God called them to be. And, um, and so it's interesting. Paul is not contradicting himself. He's not saying, he says, look, you're not saved by the works of the law. You're saved by grace. It's a free gift through faith in Jesus. But once you are saved, then God empowers you to obey his laws from the heart. Now, the spirit of the law, rather than the technicalities, 
The spirit of the law, Jesus says, is loving God with everything you got and loving your neighbor as yourself. The four, first four commands deal with our relationship with God. The last six, our relationship with our neighbor. Okay? And so we're to love God with everything we got, love our neighbors ourselves. I, I'll go on record saying this. Everyone who loves God with everything that they've got and loves their neighbor as themselves will go to heaven. The other side of the coin is you can't do that without Jesus. You got to first come to Jesus on bended knee. Until you make peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, forget about trying to make peace with other men. In fact, that's why the United Nations is, is, is a lousy organization. They're trying to get peace through the wisdom of man. They're trying to get peace apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Okay? We want unity in Christ, unity in truth. You don't just unite with your culture, a culture of lies. No, you speak truth. Okay? Our unity is not in darkness. We are, we are to be the light, the light of Christ, the light in the midst of the darkness. You know, it, you just, you know, in one sense, things are going to get really bad for Christians in the near future. They're moving in that direction very rapidly. Another side of the coin is it's just, it's just American Christianity is returning to a state of normalcy for Christians. It, the normal state for 2,000 years has been that Christians have been <clears throat> a persecu persecuted by other cultures. It only makes sense that, that our culture would eventually turn on us. Okay? And, um, and so that's why the church, we need to, we really need to, to get the home groups going. Okay? Um, meeting in secret someday might be the only uh, option that we have here in America. But, uh, but we're not to speak any unwholesome word. We can now, we now have the ability to obey God's word from the heart. God demands more than outward obedience. The Pharisees outwardly obeyed God's commands, but they didn't obey God from a pure heart. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit can we obey God from the heart. And we won't be perfect until Jesus returns, but every, each and every time we sin, and we all do, we have no excuse because we're indwelt by the all-powerful Holy Spirit. And, um, and so Paul says, steal no longer. Um, he tells us to lie no longer. He tells us to encourage others. And then verse 30, Ephesians 4, verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. So the Holy Spirit has sealed us. He protects us. It's like the seal that the Roman soldiers put on the tombstone, on the, the, the stone that was rolled in front of Jesus' tomb. It was to seal it shut. Now, of course, you know, that the earthquake came, the stone was rolled away, and, and Jesus had risen. Um, but a seal is for ownership and protection. And so the Holy Spirit has, has sealed us and keeps us secure until Jesus returns for us. Okay, now, since, the whole, since we are saved and the Holy Spirit is protecting us, we should follow his leading in our lives. We should not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to look at 1 Thessalonians 5.19. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19. Real short verse. If you, you know, memorize verses, here's a real easy one, okay? Do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. See, this is the two, all sins that believers commit, that believers can commit after you get saved, can be classified by either grieving the Holy Spirit or quenching the Holy Spirit. Okay, now, when you grieve the Holy Spirit, it's like starting a fire 
that the Holy Spirit doesn't want started. You're doing something the Holy Spirit doesn't want done. When you quench the Holy Spirit, it's like putting out a fire that the Holy Spirit wants to burn. Okay? And so grieving the Holy Spirit is when we disobey God, we do the wrong thing. Quenching the Spirit is when we don't do the right thing. That's why James tells us in James uh, 4.17, anyone then who knows the good thing to do and doesn't do it sins. Okay? So if God's calling you to do, to do something, you know, he's only going to call you to do that which is good. If you don't do it, you say, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do it, Lord. I know you're calling me to do it. Um, uh, that's quenching the Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit uh, is when you do something the Holy Spirit doesn't want you to do. Okay? Often, we, we know pretty, pretty quickly, at least most of us, when we're grieving the Holy Spirit. It's like, man, I blew it. God did not want me to do that. Um, but if you're like me, um, we don't keep track of when we're quenching the Holy Spirit. You know, we think, we think well, uh, you know, I spent 10 hours yesterday watching television. That was great. I didn't even sin. Well, wait a minute here. You know, was God called, was the Holy Spirit leading you to be a couch potato for 10 hours, you know? And um, sometimes the Holy Spirit will, will lead you to rest. Uh, my wife has been bedridden since the surgery almost two weeks ago. She's obeying the doctor's orders. She's not even supposed to lift anything over 10 pounds, okay? Um, but if I decided, well, since my wife can't get out of bed because of her back surgery, I'm going to just stay in bed for two weeks. No, that would be quenching the spirit. God's calling me to do things, okay? And, and don't get me wrong. Sometimes God is calling us to rest, okay? You, I think we'd be a lot more productive if we get the right amount of rest. Not too much, not too little. Um, but the fact of the matter is, when you're just being a lazy bum and not doing what God's called you to do, then you're quenching the Spirit, okay? So we don't want to do either. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit doing something not Spirit-led, nor do we want to quench the Holy Spirit, which is not doing something that is Spirit-led, okay? And by the way... Um, You could pass by 20 people today, 20 strangers, and God might only want you to witness to one of them. How do you know which one? All I could say is, look, wake up in the morning and spend devotional time in God's Word and spend time in prayer. There's certain things, if you worship God, God's going to fill you with His Spirit. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit's driving. He's in control. And so if we get filled with the Spirit, and then we pray without ceasing throughout the day, hopefully it will become natural to walk in the supernatural. Okay? And um, every once in a while, I want to share Jesus with a guy, and I could, just, I could just sense the Holy Spirit just saying, just, just say, God bless you to this guy and leave. And then there's other times I don't want to share my faith with a guy. And the Holy Spirit's making it real clear i got to talk to the guy. Now, am I saying that it's like, it's like that with me all the time? I wish it was. Yeah, I probably passed, you know, ten people this week that God might have wanted me to witness to. So we got to be careful about quenching uh, the Spirit. Um... You know, some guys take the attitude, when in doubt, just do it. And so, you know, and, um, and so it's kind of like you could end up, uh, let's say God called you to do 500 things, but you don't know which 500 things they are. So you do 500 things, knowing that at least the 500 are probably covered in there somewhere. And um, so, you know, when in doubt, preach Jesus, share your faith. Um, at the same time, just keep in mind, Jesus, the night he was betrayed, one guy, Thomas, 
said, show us the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Later that night, the Roman governor punches Pilate, asked Jesus what is truth, and Jesus didn't answer him. So Jesus was so filled with the Spirit, he knew one guy was ready for the answer and the other guy wasn't. Okay? And, um, but let's not grieve the Holy Spirit and let's not quench the Holy Spirit either. And then verse 31, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Malice is uh, being evil or vicious in, um, in character. You know, it, it, isn't it amazing that Paul has to tell professing believers that they shouldn't be bitter, wrathful, angry, uh, evil speaking, malicious. Um, but that, what that is, that's, that's us bringing back the old you. Okay? We've got to remind ourselves, I don't have to be that way anymore. I don't have to be that bitter, angry, unforgiving, slandering, malicious person I used to be. Now that Jesus has come into our lives, we don't have to be that person anymore. We're new creations in Christ. And Paul tells us not only what not to do and how not to act, but then he tells us how to act. In verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Okay? So we're to be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving. These are the exact opposite uh, uh, the exact opposite of the things he mentioned in the verse before. I mean, you can't be kind and bitter at the same time or tender-hearted and wrathful and angry at the same time. But we're to be kind to others. We're to be generous, sympathetic, considerate. We're to be tender-hearted, have that goodness of heart, and be compassionate. We're to be forgiving. We... We're to be willing to cancel people's debts to us. Don't hold in account the wrongs done. And, it, and it's so hard. It's like, man, why should I forgive this guy? This guy mistreated me. This guy treated me like trash. Okay? Let me tell you something about forgiveness. A lot of people say that we have to forgive and forget. If you don't forget, you haven't forgiven. Okay? Let me say something that's not true. When the Bible talks about um, that God will forgive us our iniquities and remember our sin no more, that's metaphorical language. That's figurative language. God, because he's God, he can't forget anything. Okay? What it's saying is that it, God acts as if he doesn't remember it because he forgave you. He canceled that debt. Okay? So, with forgiveness, I mean, if you were some evil, ruthless person and you cut off one of my legs, okay, I can forgive you. Okay? I doubt I'm going to forget that. You see what I'm saying? I mean, the rest of my life, I'm missing one of my legs. How am I going to forget that? Okay? So, a lot of us think, a lot of us have been told, you haven't forgiven that person because you keep remembering it. Okay? Um, look, sin sets in motion a lot of ugly consequences. Okay? Um, someone can do something that hurts. Even the person they love, they could hurt them. And that person could choose to forgive. Forgiveness is a choice. What right do we have to withhold forgiveness? You know, here we're told, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. See, when you say, no, I don't want to forgive somebody, I don't want to cancel their debt, okay, what you're saying is, 
You are one imperfect person refusing to forgive another imperfect person. Okay? But when God in Christ Jesus forgave us, it's the infinitely perfect God forgiving imperfect people like us. If the infinitely perfect God has forgiven us, what right do we have to withhold forgiveness from others? Okay? We don't have the right to withhold forgiveness. We have been forgiven. Okay? In fact, I think that's one of the signs of a true believer. Okay? Look at Matthew 6, 12. At the end of what is commonly called uh, the Our Father, where Jesus gives us the pattern for prayer. Matthew 6, 12, towards the end of the Our Father, says, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Hey, you better be forgiving your debtors if you want God to forgive you. You know, what do you say? Lord, forgive, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And God says, well, you don't forgive your debtors. Why should I forgive you? Then you look a little bit further. Um, verses 14 and 15 of Matthew 6. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, I don't think that Jesus is saying you get saved by forgiving others. I think what Jesus is saying, though, is that if you are saved, one of the characteristics, one of the general characteristics of your life is that you will be a forgiving person. Okay? And, and you, could, you could tell me, some of you can give me stories about how people have betrayed you, they have treated you like garbage, okay? And how hard it is to forgive. All I can say is, look, I believe, we believe, these 66 books are the word of God. God's word says, if you're forgiven, if you trusted in Jesus for salvation and you're forgiven then you got to forgive others. And forgiveness, God never commands us to have feelings, like when, when God commands us to love others. God always commands us to make the right choices. We have to choose to forgive. By the way, if you're having difficulty with forgiving, go talk to a Christian brother, a Christian sister, get some prayer. It's not always easy to do the right thing. But if we're believers, we're going to want to do the right thing. We're going to want to please the Lord. Okay? Uh, but the idea that if you forgive, you automatically forget. Let me tell you, some of you have been hurt <clears throat> really bad by somebody. And you chose to forgive them. But the memories come back every now and then. Now, if when the memories come back, you keep slamming the person... And let's say the person is no longer doing this, no longer hurting you, but you keep bringing it up and slamming them, then you got a question, did I really forgive them? Because it doesn't look like I canceled their debt. Okay? But if you really did choose to forgive them, and the thoughts are there, you offer it to the Lord. Let me say this. You know, I'm, I do some counseling, and believe me, you hear crazy stuff. Let me say this. Let's say... Let's say that a guy wronged his wife like 20 years ago. And she really chose to forgive him, give him a fresh start, cancel his debt. But every once in a while she's having a bad day and the memories come back and she just unloads on this guy. Okay? Is she right to unload on him over and over again if the guy's walking the straight and narrow now? No, she's not right. But if you're that guy, you better remind yourself you brought it on yourself. 
You didn't have to play the fool 20 years ago. So don't cut. You want a shoulder to cry? I ain't going to give you a shoulder to cry on. I'm going to say, dude, you know, you know, you could have done this 70 years ago. If you and your missus live long enough, she may never forget. She may, if she brings it up, just, just let her vent. You know, I, I counseled one young guy who was getting married. I said, you know, you got to differentiate. You got, guys notice, you got to differentiate when your missus is venting, okay? There's a time when all she needs is a hug, okay? There's also a time when a hug is not a really good choice. <laughs> so you got to get to learn your lady well enough to know the difference between does my missus need a hug or does she need some space, okay? And, uh, but, uh, but whatever the case, you know, if you've wronged somebody and every once in a they just keep bringing it up and it just, they're trying to forgive you, but it's just hard. Hey, you got nobody to blame but yourself. You might say, well, life's a little uncomfortable. Well, that's what sin does, dude. That's what sin does. You know, I, and I'll even, you know, I'll even have sleepless nights sometimes of the way I treated people before I became a Christian. You know, and now let me tell you something. I'll never lose sleep at night because of the guys that I punched. Usually the guys I punched also punched me or whatever. I don't hit that hard. They recovered. They're doing fine. They don't even remember I hit them. But it's amazing how you could tear a person apart just with your words. Manipul- God gave me a gift with words. I don't know if it was being half Italian, half Portuguese, or being from Essex County, New Jersey. He kind of gifted me in the way I could say things, and that helps me to be a good preacher. But he wanted me to use it for his glory. Well, there was a time when I used that gift to tear people down and manipulate, manipulate people. Okay, so, um, so that's why we, we got to really encourage others. Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. But you got to choose to forgive and cancel that debt. But if somebody forgave you, if they bring it up, give them space is what I'm saying. Okay, give them space. Uh, but, but if you've been hurt and you chose to forgive, you went to the Lord and said, Lord, it's so hard, but just help me to forgive this person Okay, even when the memories come back, just turn them over to the Lord. Say, Lord, this is dealt with. Uh, I just I just turn it over to you. And, you know, when we turn things over to the Lord, the Lord will give us his peace. He will give us his joy. Just read Philippians chapter four, verses four to nine. And um, um, but just remind yourself, forgiving doesn't automatically mean forgetting. Forgiving doesn't automatically mean forgetting, okay? And um, if you've been hurt and it's really bad, choose to forgive. The memories will come back, okay? But if the memories come back, don't hold it against the person, okay? That's been dealt with. You forgave them, okay? Uh, If the memories come back, it's just time to just turn things over uh, to the Lord, But if the perfect God forgave an imperfect person like me or you, what right do we imperfect people have to withhold forgiveness from other uh, imperfect people? Uh, One other thing I want to say, too, about forgiveness before we move on to chapter 5. Not only... Not only is forgiving not automatically... Um, forgetting it's a choice uh, we've got to make uh, that choice we've got if we're children of God we ought to be forgivers we've been forgiven and being grateful for being forgiven we'll want to go out there and uh, be willing uh, to forgive others uh, but let me say this too forgiving someone and canceling their debt does not mean being stupid. 
Okay? Forgiving someone and canceling their debt does not mean being stupid. If you're a little guy and you go over your buddy Rocco's house, and every time you go over Rocco's house, Rocco beats you up, and there's no evidence that Rocco's ever going to change. Yes, God commands you, forgive Rocco. But don't be stupid enough to go back over his house. Okay? All right? There's been brothers in the Lord that have really butt heads with me, control freaks. And I've told them, I love you and I'm going to forgive you. But I'm going to minister on one part of town, and you go minister in another town. And I knew I had to keep my distance. So keep in mind, forgiving somebody and canceling your debt, their debt, doesn't mean that you place yourself in a situation where they can hurt you again and again and again. A lady in a bad relationship where a guy beats her up, she needs to forgive him. But she also needs to take measures that will protect her and her children from this abusive guy. Okay? So, so keep that in mind. Forgiveness is a choice. You, you cancel the person's debt. Uh, you act as if, when you act with them, you act as if it's all forgotten. However, you might have to take steps to protect you in the future. Okay? Even when Jesus says, if somebody asks to borrow from you, Keep borrowing, even keep lending to them, even if they never pay you back. He's just basically talking about your heart. Be willing to just keep giving, okay? He's not talking about enabling some evil person who is buying booze and drugs with the money you keep giving them, okay? Um, but um, when everything's said and done, you know. We should be so grateful to be forgiven. We've got Jesus. We've got heaven. We've got eternal life. Who could want anything more? Okay? So we, we might think, well, I got a bad. Isn't that? No, you don't have a bad. If you're saved, you got it better than Bill Gates. It doesn't look like you got it better than Bill Gates to this world, but you got it better than Bill Gates has it because last I heard he hasn't bent the knee to the Lord Jesus and um, and so for us eternity of joy with Jesus for those who don't bow before Jesus <clears throat> it's an eternity of judgment okay so we need to be kind tender hearted and forgiving um so we're to put off the old man, put on the new man, which is the same as putting on Christ. Later on, Paul is going to, in Ephesians 6, talk about putting on the full armor of God. It's all the same, different ways to say the same thing. We're new creations to Christ. We're no longer slaves to sin. So we're not who we used to be. Now Paul is going to talk about, in Ephesians 5, the new man is an imitator of God. The new man is an imitator of God. We obey God from the heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. So look at uh, Ephesians 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Okay? Uh, Paul, in one of his letters, I believe, to Timothy, he said, um, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Wouldn't that be nice if we could all say that? If we're discipling somebody and say, look, look well, I, don't know, I don't know how to live a godly life. Well, just imitate me as I imitate Christ. But I think if we're all honest, we might want to be real careful about saying that. So I'm, I'm going to just stick with this myself in case the guy catches me on a bad day. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Now, again, we don't get to heaven by imitating God. We're saved by God's grace. It's a free gift. We receive it through faith in Jesus. Okay? Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead to conquer death for us. We don't get to heaven by imitating God. We are saved by God's grace. 
um, we don't imitate God to get saved. We imitate God because we are saved. So, so now that we are saved, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and for the first time in our lives, we can actually imitate God from the heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. None of us are going to be perfect, but when we fall, we've got no excuse for falling. Now, Jesus is God in the flesh, so we imitate God by imitating Christ. It's kind of hard to think of, okay, I want to be, I want to imitate the all-powerful, uh, all-knowing, everywhere-present God. And that kind of makes it hard. Well, God the Son became a man. So we got something good to go by there. Um, so we imitate God by imitating Christ. So he says, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. We're beloved children of God. We're loved by God, and this enables us to love others. Okay? You see, assuming that children have good parents, who ought they imitate? Their parents. Children should imitate their parents. We're sons and daughters of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We should imitate our Heavenly Father. And, um, and how do we imitate our Heavenly Father? Look at verse 2. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And so we're to walk in love. This is how we imitate God, by expressing love for God and love for our fellow man day by day. The Greek word for love there is agape. It means to unconditionally seek the greatest good for others. You expect nothing in return. Love is a choice. It's not some kind of uh, uh, mushy feeling. Love is a choice that you make. Okay? You choose to seek the greatest good for others. This is why, you know, don't accept the world's faulty definition of love. The world will look at a dad hugging his child, hugging his son, and say, wow, that's love. But the world will usually not say, when they see that same father spanking his son, wow, that's love. Okay? But what did that child just do? See, parents do not have to, choose, do not have to teach their children to make bad decisions. We're conceived with a sin nature. It's natural for us to sin. So left to ourselves, we'll do the wrong thing. That's why about 85% of male prisoners, male inmates in prisons today, grew up in a home without a dad. Okay? And um, often in inner cities, the, the male role models are often gang members and drug dealers. Okay? What did uh, Denzel Washington said that... Uh, if you don't have a daddy in the home, uh, uh, the judge and the police are going to become your dad. Okay? Uh, he, had, he grew up with like three or four buddies. And um, all of them went to prison except him. And he said the only difference between them and him, Denzel Washington had a dad in the home who took him aside at age 13 and told him, stop hanging out with those guys. Those guys are being stupid. Don't be stupid. With because he had a dad in the home, he was able to make the right choices. Okay? And, um, but, um, but with us, we're, we're children of God, and God tells us, walk in love as Christ also loved us and has given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet, Smelling aroma. Uh, Mark 12, 30 and 31. Jesus sums up the entire law as loving God with all, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. He says the whole law 
is summed up in that. Romans 13.10. Paul says, Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 7 and verse 12. Matthew 7 and verse 12. Therefore, whatever you want, Jesus is speaking, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So in other words, how do you live in love? You treat others the way you want them to treat you. Now, Jesus knew man. He created man. He knew that mankind fell. Notice Jesus doesn't say treat others the way you think they ought to be treated. Because you know what a lot of us would do? A lot of us would say, well, I'm so special, I should rule the world, and everybody else should be my servants, so I'm going to treat that guy like he's my servant. Okay? So Jesus doesn't say treat others the way you think they ought to be treated, because we think too highly of ourselves. So instead, Jesus said, the way you want them to treat you, because Jesus knew that our self-interest are high on our priority list, the way you want to be treated, that's the way you need to start treating others. Okay? And, um, and so that's how uh, we can live lives of love and love God with everything we've got and love uh, others um, as ourselves. So we're to walk in love just as Christ also loved us, Christ set the example um, that we uh, are to imit imitate. Look at John 15. John chapter 15. Verse 12, Jesus says, This is my commandment. This is the night that Jesus was betrayed. This was important stuff. And Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So as believers, we're to love one another. Look at John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, says Jesus. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. Now, why is that a new commandment? Because the old command was love your neighbor <clears throat> as yourself. Jesus says, no, now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. Jesus placed our needs before his own. Uh, we need to place the needs of others before our own. And then verse 35 of John 13, By this all will know that you are my disciples, my followers, if you have love for one another. If we want the world to know that we are the followers of Jesus, we're going to have to love one another. Okay? Um, look back at John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Well, that kind of love Paul's talking about here in Ephesians 5, because he says, walk in love just as Christ loved you. And what did he do? He gave himself up for us. If you love others, you will sacrifice your own interest for them. So we must be willing to place other needs, others' needs before our own. This is the opposite of greediness and, and selfishness. This is our offering, our sacrifice to God. And like Christ, is to be a, a fragrant aroma. Christ's sacrifice and offering of himself on the cross was pleasing to God. It was a fragrant aroma to God the Father. It was a worthy offering for the sins uh, of mankind. Okay? Now I want us to look, and we'll close with this, 1 John chapter 4.
1 John chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 20. And 21. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Okay? Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, if we can't love each other, then why should anybody believe that we love God? That'd be like saying, I love my earthly father, I just hate my siblings. Okay? If we love our heavenly father, we ought to show this by loving one another. How can, how, why should I believe you? You say you, you love the invisible God when you don't love your visible brothers and sisters that we can see. And uh, this is like Jesus said in John 13, 35, the world will know that you're my disciples when you have love one for another. So in summary here, summarize what we talked about today. We're to put on the new man. And to put on the new man, new creation in Christ, we've got to put away lying. We've got to put away unrighteous anger. We've got to not steal any longer. We've got to put away corrupt words and only use those words that encourage others to be all that God called them to be. We've got to stop grieving the Holy Spirit of God. You belong to him. He sealed you for the day of redemption. Now don't grieve him. Serve him. Put away all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking. Put away all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. If we've been forgiven, that enables us to forgive others. And so we have got to be imitators of God. Now, I don't know who you used to imitate before you got saved. But the question is not, uh, are you going to imitate somebody? If you're human, you're going to imitate somebody. It might be God. It might be Satan. It could be some fallible earthly ruler or person. But if you don't imitate God, you will imitate somebody else. It's like that old Bob Dylan song, you got to serve somebody. Okay? It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. And um, we, our entire culture doesn't want to serve Jesus anymore. And so if we want to serve Jesus, if we want to imitate the Lord... Jesus says in John 15, 18, if you find the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. So what do we do if the world hates us? Hey, I'm a new man. You're a new man. If the world hates us, we forgive them and we love them. Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for them. Okay? And so we need to love others. Uh, we start by loving our brothers and sisters in the Lord. But it doesn't end there. We got to extend that love to the community, to those who are outside the church. Uh, but I'll just close with this. Uh, you're not who you used to be. The evil one whispers in your ears and tries to convince you that you're the same sinful person you used to be. You're not that person anymore. That person is dead. You're a new creation in Christ. You're a new man or a new woman, and you need to act that way. And guess what? We live in a culture where if you act, if you imitate God, the culture will get upset with you. But Paul says, let God be true.
and every man a liar. In a culture of lies that doesn't love the truth, we need to speak the truth, but speak the truth in love as we imitate God in all that we do. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, I thank you so much for these people who are willing to sit here in 100-degree weather without air conditioning and hear your word preached. And so I, I pray, Lord, that, um, that your spirit would take the words of, of this passage and give us understanding of it, but also empower us to apply these truths to our lives so that we could be not imitators of the world, but imitators of God through the power of the Holy Spirit to build his kingdom and for his glory. And so, Lord, help us uh, throughout the week, throughout our lives, um, in a culture that loves lies, may we proclaim the truth and speak the truth in love and be all that you called us to be and imitate you uh, regardless of whether the world applauds us or the world throws rocks at us. Uh, may we live to seek to please you rather than live for the applause of man. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. All right. God bless you, everybody.